Man, I'm excited about this series that we've been doing the last few weeks. It's called Hard Love. And what we are doing is we are studying one of my favorite, favorite books of the entire Bible, the book of James. How many are enjoying James? How many have been reading through James over this last month? And God is speaking to you today. We're going to be in James chapter 2, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there with me as well as in your LifeGate app or in your notes here today. And while you're doing that, let me just remind you, Easter is how many weeks? away three weeks away from this weekend is Easter and we've been telling you every single week that we are preparing for the biggest I believe the best weekend that we ever have experienced the greatest Easter I believe is going to be this year for LifeGate Church because I believe many people are going to come to know the Lord in one of our five Easter worship experiences one of the greatest times of the year to invite someone to church is on Easter because people will come even whenever they wouldn't come on a normal week they will come on Easter. And so we need your help on this. If we're going to pull off these five services, if we're going to see many of your friends and neighbors and people in our community come to know the Lord in one of these services, we need you to help us out by, first of all, if you're not already volunteering somewhere here in the church, please help us by signing up, even if it's just for this one weekend, to volunteer to help us. You can do that in your LifeGate app in the notification section there. If you haven't already done that, help us with that. Also, we got two Easter egg hunts. This is an incredible way to get people to come because they're going to want to bring their kids. We've got 15,000 eggs that we're going to be putting out for the kids. Lots of prizes, but we need your help with bringing candy. And I know you like to wait till the last minute, but don't do that this year, all right? Go ahead and begin bringing that candy so we can get these 15,000 eggs stuffed. And you can do that uh, next Sunday or anytime throughout the week. You can bring that. And then here's the deal. The biggest thing of all that you can help us with for Easter is you can be inviting. Everybody say invite invite someone to join you for one of these services. In fact, we're trying to make it easy for you to do that. Personal invitation is the best way to get people to come to a church service. About six out of every 10 people in a survey have said that if someone would invite them, that they would come to a church service. I believe the numbers would probably be even higher than that on Easter. So we made these personal invitation cards for you. They are at your seats there. There's also some at the Welcome Center. And what we want you to do is just pick out two or three people that you're going to invite to Easter, begin praying for them now, then take one of these cards on the back, write them a personal note, a personal invitation. You can hand it to them, you can mail it to them, whatever. We want to make it easy for you to help to invite people on Easter. And I believe we're going to go over the top this Easter. How many are excited about Easter? Come on, right? I'm excited about it. Maybe a little more excited than some of y'all. I don't know. Here's the deal. We're looking at the book of James, James chapter one. And here's what we've learned about James so far is that James is a straight shooter. You know, how many know we live in a very politically correct type of a world, right? But in the midst of this politically correct type of world, God's word has some things that may not always be quite so PC to say. And James is one of those guys that he never beats around the bush. He doesn't sugarcoat stuff. You never have to wonder about what he is, what he is thinking. I mean, he just gets straight full forward to the point and he deals with some kind of hard issues in fact so far in this series we've dealt with some pretty hard issues that James has talked about in the first week we talked about problems and struggles and that even as Christians we're going to face some struggles and some problems sometimes then last week uh, Pastor Colton talked about anger and sometimes man we're going to deal with some frustrations 
and anger in life. And today I've got to say, we are going to deal with perhaps the hardest issue that James deals with in the entire book of James. In fact, it might be one of the most difficult issues for us to talk about today. But here's the deal about James is that James deals with some hard stuff, but he always does it from a very loving and compassionate motivation behind what he is saying. And today, the subject that we're going to talk about, I'm telling you, I just got to be honest, I'm a little bit nervous to talk about it because it is a very hot button issue in our world and in our society. It's something that affects all of us, I believe, and it could be very easily misunderstood. And so today we're going to talk about it, but let me just tell you, we're going to deal with the hard stuff. We're going to jump right into it, but we're going to do it. The motivation behind it is that of love. All right. That's why we're calling this series hard love. And today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about prejudice. Now, now, you know, I'm talking about why this is a hard subject and why I would even be nervous to maybe even talk about it a little bit today. Cause the fact of the matter is, this is a big deal. In our society today, isn't it? Would you agree with me on that? That, I mean, it affects so many, many people. I've been affected by it in my life, and yet I know that there are many of you that have been affected by it way more than I could ever even understand. And for that, man, I'm, I'm so sorry, but I got to say this, that it is something that affects every single one of us. It's something that, that affects our culture. It affects our community. It, it has caused a deep, deep divide among the people of our nation and even in in our world. And we're going to look at it. We're going to look at it straightforward. We're going to look and see what James has to say about it. And we're going we're gonna to deal with it in a hard way, but in a very loving way. So let's take a look at what James has to say about it in James chapter one and, or chapter 2 and verse number 1. Let's look at it together. It says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not shown what? Everybody say it aloud. Have you not shown discrimination among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Here's the deal, guys. Whether we like it or not, we have to admit that discrimination, prejudice, favoritism is something that we see in our culture and in our world today. We see it in our cities. We see it in our schools. We see it in our neighborhoods. And the sad fact is we even can see it in church. In fact, Martin Luther King said it like this, the worship hour on Sunday might be the most segregated hour of all in America. You think about it. You look around, even in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we live, and you will see that there are black churches, there are white churches, there are Hispanic churches, there are rich churches, there are poor churches, there are young churches, there are old churches, and we tend to segregate Ourselves, And I know some of you say, well, I, you know, I know that prejudice is something that's happening in our world today, but I don't see myself as prejudiced. I mean, I don't have any problems with people of a different color or a different race. But here's what we have to understand is that prejudice is not just about the color of a person's skin. Discrimination doesn't just happen by race. It can happen in so many other ways. And you may say, well, I don't have a problem with a person of a different color. But here's the deal is that prejudice reaches far deeper and far wider than just the color of a person's skin. 
In fact, if we're going to talk about it today, we really have to kind of get a good idea of what this word prejudice actually means. And so we're going to get a little bit of a working definition for prejudice. And here's what we have to understand is that prejudice comes from a root word that will help us to understand it a little bit better. The word prejudice comes from the root word prejudge. Everybody say prejudge. Prejudge. To show prejudice, here's the definition, is to have a preconceived opinion that is not based upon reason or actual experience. To show prejudice is this, to prejudge someone, to have a preconceived idea about someone that is not based upon my experience with that someone, but is based upon something that I think in my mind about someone that I don't even know. And here's the truth, is that prejudice is not just about the color of a person's skin. Many of us would say, I don't judge someone by the color of their skin. But if we're really, really, truly honest with ourselves, there are times when we judge others based on all kinds of other preconceived ideas. Many times we prejudge people, for instance, by the way that they look, their appearance. In fact, we've all done it before. I've done it. Even just, even just recently, you see someone and you think, well, they're not like me. They don't dress like me. They don't look like me. I don't, I don't, I don't like the way they're doing their hair. They have, you know, have ears, ear, uh, whatever you call it, body piercings all over them. They've got, they've got, you know, they've got tattoos or, or whatever it might be. And we prejudge people sometimes according to their appearance. How many would agree with me on that? We prejudge people sometimes according to their age, Right? Like we might see someone who's really young go, what in the world do they know? Young whippersnapper, they don't know nothing, right? In fact, I've, I've experienced this kind of prejudice before because I remember when I was, I was a young pastor, I became a lead pastor when I was 24 years old, all right? And, and many people would look at me and say, you're 24 years old? Like, what can you teach me? You don't know nothing. And they didn't know that I didn't know anything, okay? I didn't. I was 24 years old. But they didn't even give me a chance to prove that I didn't know anything. You know what I'm saying? Because there's this prejudgment sometimes that we have to people according, according to their age. In fact, I remember when we first moved here to Burleson to start a church, I was 29 years old at that time, and there was this other pastor that, was, uh, that lived here in town, and, and we, I got to meet this, this guy. And I remember, I just I couldn't stand being around this guy because he always just treated me like I was a little kid, you know? And I was like, at this point, I'd been in ministry for 10 years. I had been already a lead pastor for five years, but he treated me like I didn't know what I was doing, right? And what was he doing? He was prejudging me according to my according to my age, right? In fact, I remember one guy, and this guy is a, actually a friend of mine. He ended up attending the church, but he said when he, first, when he first met me, he said, man, what does that young, blonde-headed punk preacher know about starting a church, right? And then a few months later, he ended up coming to the church and stayed here for eight years, you know? And, and many times we do that. We prejudge people that maybe people that are older, and we think, well, they're just out of touch. They don't know what's going on with society today. Or sometimes we even go, hey, they're old. They're just grumpy, right? And we just, like, we have these preconceived ideas about people, not just based upon the color of their skin, but based upon their appearance, based upon, upon their age, maybe even based upon their wealth, the amount of money that they make or don't make, the kind of car they drive. The kind, of, the kind of house they live in, the kind of neighborhood that they live in. And sometimes we get in our mind these ideas like, you know, hey, they're rich, they must be a snob. 
Or they're poor, so they must be lazy. Come on, right? And what do we do? We put these preconceived ideas upon people. We prejudge people. We make generalizations about groups of people based on all kinds of all kinds of preconceived notions. Millennials are spoiled, and pastors are all crooks, and Christians are all hypocrites, and women can't lead, and white men can't jump. Okay, maybe that one's maybe that one's true. And here's what we do. We, we prejudge people based upon things that we think we know about them. And here's, here's what James is saying is happening in the church. This is what he's speaking to. He says, hey, there's a guy that walks into a church. Sounds like the beginning of a joke, right? And a guy walks into a church, and this guy's got rings on his finger. This guy's dressed like he came off the cover of GQ magazine. This guy, he drove up in his, in his Jaguar, and here he walks in, and we see this man, and we say, oh, man, this man must be influential. This man must be, per- must be important. So here's a seat for you. Sit right over here in the VIP section. And then another man comes into the church and obviously his clothes are, are, are dated. Maybe it looks like they, he got his clothes at the, at the Goodwill store. And maybe, maybe he doesn't smell quite the way that we would want someone to smell. Maybe his hair is messed up just a little bit. Maybe he didn't drive the kind of car that we would prefer for him to drive. And we look at that man and we prejudge him by what he looks like and say, Oh, no, no, no. You've got to sit over here in this section. Hey, sit down at everyone's feet. And imagine what kind of an insult that would have been in those days because These people in those days wore sandals and they walked everywhere that they went. And so imagine how dirty and how smelly it would be. And we say, hey, here's the important and the rich person. You sit over here in the VIP section. And this church was saying, hey, over here, this is where you sit because you're poor and you're not very important. And this is where you have to sit down on the floor at everyone's seat. And James is dealing with this issue of prejudice, of favoritism, of prejudging people. And how many would agree with me today that something was wrong in this church that James is talking to, right? This church needed a new usher, right? But not only did the church need a new usher, you know what the church needed? The church needed a new heart. Because when we get down to it, prejudice is an issue of the heart. It's an issue of what's happening inside of our hearts. It's not, it's not so much a skin issue Here's what it is. I love the way Craig Groeschel says it. He says, prejudice is not a skin issue. Prejudice is a sin issue. In fact, this is what James says about prejudice. He calls it a sin. Let's look what he says in verse number nine. He says, but if you show favoritism, you do what? You you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Most of us don't think of it this way. Like if we were going to list the top sins then we probably wouldn't list like some of the thoughts I said about, hey, the way we look at the way someone dresses or the way we look at someone's age or where they live or whatever. We probably wouldn't put that up there in the top category of top sins that we might commit. We might even think, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I go to church. I give a little in the offering. I serve in the, you know, in the life kids class. I do a lot of good stuff. Like I don't drink and cuss and smoke and chew or go with girls who do, you know. And so, I mean, like I, I'm doing pretty good. But James says, hey, no, 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 no. If you've had these thoughts in your mind, and I think we could all agree that, that maybe not towards the color of someone's skin, but some of those things that I talked about, I would say that we could all agree we've had these kind of prejudging thoughts before. And James says, if you've had these kind of thoughts before, here's what you need to know. It's sin. In fact, in verse number 10, he goes on and says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point, 
is guilty of breaking all of it. What does he say? He says, hey, you can be a good person and go to church, but if you've had this kind of thought in your mind, it is a sin. And if you've broken one law, you've broken all of it. In fact, he says it really is an issue of the heart. In verse four, he says, doesn't this discrimination show that that your judgment are guided by what? By evil motives. What is he saying? He's saying, hey guys, when we show this kind of discrimination, when we show this kind of favoritism, when we prejudge people in our minds, what's happening is that it is an outflow of something that is happening in our hearts. Evil, wrong motives, wrong hearts. So what do we do about it? Like if we find ourselves falling into, into this category of prejudging people according to whatever it might be, what do we do about it? Well, let's just take a look at what James has to say about it. I want to just give you four things here today. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. If we're going to deal with prejudice, here's what we're going to have to start by doing. We're going to have to start by look up. Everybody say, look up. We're going to have to look up. In fact, if we want to see the example of how people should be treated, we've got to look to Jesus. We've got to look to God. He is our example. In fact, this is what James is talking about in verse number five. He says, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? What is James saying? James saying, God doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't look differently on people based upon the color of their skin, based upon how much money they make, based upon their status or their appearance. God loves everyone the same. In fact, in Romans chapter 2 and verse 11, look what it says. It says, for God judges all people how? Everybody say it out loud. In the same way. Our example for how we should treat people is to look to Jesus, is to look to to God, the Father. How does he look at people? How does he love people? How does he treat people? That is our example for how we should treat people as well. And when we look to God, we see that God does not show favoritism. In fact, you can see it throughout the scripture. I mean, look at even in the Old Testament, you look at when, when God wanted to choose a king to represent the nation of Israel, remember when he chose David? And remember the whole deal? Like he chose, the, he chose just a shepherd boy instead of the one that, you know, instead of the big, strong, you know, the oldest son. And look what the scripture says about it in First Samuel 16 and verse 7. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider what? His appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. And the Lord does not look at the things that, that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but what does God look at? The Lord looks at the heart. Look at the example that God has given us, that that God doesn't, doesn't judge people based upon their outward appearance, on the color of their skin, or how much money they make, or their social status. He looks at our hearts. In fact, you see this with Jesus over and over and over again. You just study through the Gospels, and you will see what happens. I mean, there's this one story in Matthew chapter 5, verse 25, where there's this very prominent, very important guy, a guy by the name of Jairus, and his daughter gets really sick, and so they call for Jesus to come and heal the daughter. And on the way to this very important man's house, something happens. This woman who was really would have been considered an outcast in society because she was suffering with an issue of blood. She was, she was considered to be unclean. And so here's Jesus going to this very important person's house. And on the way to this important person's house to do something that this important person wanted him to do, this very, in society's eyes, very unimportant person interrupts him, right? 
But what does he do? Instead of saying, hey, I'm busy. I got to go over to this important person's house. No, what does he do? He stops and he heals the woman. What was he doing? He was showing us that there is no favoritism in God's eyes. You think about the story when Jesus was traveling and he travels through the country of Samaria. Now, most Jews would have not even gone through that. He would, they would have not even gone that route. They would have went all the way around Samaria because they had a deep prejudice in their heart against the Samaritans. But Jesus went through Samaria, and when he got into Samaria, he stopped to get a drink of, a, a drink of water at a well, and this woman came to him. And you've you got to understand, this woman, not only was she a Samaritan woman, which most Jews would have shunned her just because of that, but not only that, she had been divorced five times and now she was committing adultery by living with the man that she was with and she was not married so you can imagine that Jesus could have easily easily shunned this woman because first of all she was a Samaritan secondly she was committing adultery she had been divorced all of these things but you see that Jesus has a heart for this woman and he brings healing into her life right come on you see this over and over again you see it when he chose the disciples think about he, he didn't look to the disciple, to choose his disciples, he didn't look at the top seminary students. No, he looked to people who were just common fishermen, common peasants, and he called them to himself. He even part of his inner circle was a woman who was a former prostitute, a guy who was a who was a tax collector, another guy who would be a thief and later wind up stealing from from Jesus and from the treasury. And you see that God doesn't show favoritism. Jesus doesn't show it. In fact, think about the story of of when. And the guy comes to Jesus and says, hey, what's the most important thing of all? And what is the most important commandment? And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, here's the most important commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what are you going to do? You're going to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on and tells a story, famous story. We know the Good Samaritan, right? He says, here's how you love your neighbor. And you think about that story for just a second. It was a story about prejudice. It was a story about favoritism. That the reason that the priest and the Levite didn't stop and help the Samaritan man was because they were Jews. And he was a Samaritan. And when he laid there on the, on the side of the road about to die, they were thinking he got what he deserved. They had prejudice in their hearts. But the Samaritan man gave us the example for how we should treat other people. In fact, I love what Dr. Martin Luther King had to say about the story of the, of the Good Samaritan. He said, the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan reversed the question and said, if I stop and help this man, or if I don't stop and help this man, what will happen to him? And think about that. You see, God gives us the example of what we ought, how we ought to treat people. In Job chapter 34 and verse 19, it says that he shows no partiality to princes and does not show favor for the rich over the poor, for they are the work of his hands. I'm telling you, God loves everyone. He loves Asians and African Americans and Latin uh, Americans and Native Americans and Cubans and Hondurans and Nigerians and Jamaicans and Koreans and Malaysians and Canadians. Canadians and Pakistanis and Iranis and Iranians or however you say that and Croatians and Russians. He loves people that have a lot of money and people that have no money. He loves people who are young and people who are old and people who are men and women, millennials, Gen Xers, baby boomers, builders, bridgers, even people who don't love him back. He even loves Longhorn fans. I'm telling you, he loves everyone. And that's the way God has called us to love others. If we want to know the example, we've got to look up. So everybody say, look up. 
Number two, second thing you're going to have to do, I'm going to have to hurry. You're going to have to shut up. Everybody look at your neighbor. Just tell them, shut up. Now, I know I I wanted to kind of tame that down a little bit. I wanted to say, hush up, but I just figured James would just say it. Shut up. Because here's the deal. You know what gets us in the most trouble when it comes to this area of prejudice? So many times it's our mouth. It's a little flapping piece of flesh. That causes all kinds of problems. In fact, next week we're going to look at James chapter 3 and we're going to deal with the tongue. But let me just tell you something. The truth of the matter is when it comes to prejudging people, so many times the first way that we prejudge them is with our, with our words, with our mouth. And look what James has to say about it in, in verse number 12. He says, here's what I want you to do. To speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Here's the deal. One day, everyone, this is what you need to know. One day you will give account to God for every word that you spoke. When you stand before him, if you have ever spoke a word in prejudgment towards someone, you're going to stand before God and give an account. And when you really, truly understand that, I'm telling you, you'll speak a whole lot less. And the words that you speak will be words that are uplifting and life-giving rather than words that tear others down and prejudge others. Come on, right? Number three, write this one down. Here's what we're going to do is we're going to look up. We're going to shut up. Number three, this is a big one. We're going to have to lighten up. Everybody just say lighten up. Here's the thing, guys. Most of us tend to have two different sets of standards. And here's how it tends to go. We tend to judge others harshly and judge ourselves with mercy. We tend to look at others and judge them harshly and then look at ourselves and we want, we want to receive mercy. And here's what James tells us to do. He says, I want you to flip the script. I want you to reverse it. I want you to judge yourself harshly and judge others with mercy. In fact, this is what he says in verse number 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. For mercy triumphs over judgment. James says, hey... If you're going to prejudge someone, I want you to prejudge them in this way. Instead of prejudging them with judgment and with harsh judgment for someone that you don't even know anything about, here's what I want you to do. I want to make your default to be mercy. That I'm going to show mercy. That I'm going to show kindness. That that I'm going to default to love. That I'm going to love people even before I know them. That I'm going to think the best of them even if I don't understand them. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt even when it would be easier to pass judgment. I'm going to treat them with kindness even when they are different than me. James says, here's how we eradicate prejudice in our world is that we show mercy to everyone. We make mercy our default that we live by. Because mercy... Always, always, always triumphs over judgment. See, we want to pass preconceived judgments on others, but God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have a predetermined mercy. I want, to, I want you to predetermine in your heart that even before I know someone, even when I don't understand someone, even when someone is not like me, my first thought towards them is going to be thoughts of mercy. In fact, this is what, Matt, what Jesus says about in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. He says, don't condemn others, and God won't condemn you. And God will be as hard on you as you are on others, and he will treat you exactly as you have treated them. You know, I think James was not the only one that spoke pretty straightforward. Jesus basically told us, however you treat others, however you judge others, that's the way God's going to judge you. 
So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look up. We're going to shut up. We're going to lighten up. Number four, write this one down. We're going to straighten up. Everybody just tell your neighbor, straighten up. How many parents ever told your kids that? Come on, how many of you, when you were a kid, your parents told you that, right? My parents used to tell me that. Straighten up and fly right, you know? Straighten up and act right. And basically, this is what James is, is telling the church. He sees an issue in the church, and basically, as a, as a loving father speaking to his children, he basically says, hey, guys, this kind of action, this kind of prejudging others according to how they look, according to the color of their skin, according to how much money they have, according to any of these other things, this is not the way that God has called us to live. And so it's time for us to straighten it up. In fact, in verse 12, he says, I want you to speak and, everybody say this word, and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Look at that word, act. How many know actions speak louder than words? And we can say all day long, we're going to love everybody, but I'm telling you, the proof is going to be in our action. It's going to be on, on, in how we treat others. In fact, in 1 John 3 and verse 18, the scripture tells us, Dear children, let us not love with words or, speak, but with, or speech, but with action and in truth. Now, I'm just telling you, if we're, going to, if we're going to really live this out, it's going to be more than just speaking a message. It's going to be more than just a slogan on the wall. It's going to be more than just words that we say. It's got to be the way that we live. And let me just brag on you for just a second today. Man, LifeGate is the most loving and generous, life-giving church that I, man, that I have ever experienced. And I've been around church for a long time. And you know, let me just tell you something today. People come into LifeGate of all different ages, all different, all different socioeconomic brackets, all different colors, all different backgrounds, all different stuff, all different lifestyles. And man, they come in and they, they feel loved and they feel a part of a family. And man, we don't, we don't prejudge people. We just, you know, hey, the truth of the matter is, is that everyone's going to have to give account for their lives and they don't give the account to us. Come on, right? They give it to God. And man, I'm telling you, I've seen this over the last 10 years that people, I mean, it's amazing to think about the different kinds of people that are a part of LifeGate, and yet every one of them says we feel loved and we feel a part of a family regardless of where we're at in the stage of life or in our stage of our walk with the Lord. And I mean, I'm proud of you for that. In fact, I think you ought to just give yourselves a big hand for that. Come on, right? Well, let me let me just add to that this that in our ever increasingly divided world that we are living in it's going to become more and more and more and more and more important for us to decide that hey I'm just going to love people I'm going to let mercy be my default I'll let God do the do the judging and I'm going to love people regardless of where they're at. And you know what? In just a couple of weeks, Easter's going to come, and people of all walks of life are going to walk into those doors. And you know what? Before they, before they care about, you know, is it a good sermon, or was the music good, or what's going on with the kids, you know, the first impression they're going to get, did I feel loved? Did I feel welcomed? Did I feel like I could be a part of that place regardless of where I'm at in my stage of life, regardless of what my background is, regardless of the color of my skin, regardless of how much money I make or don't make, and that is what is important. And here's what we've got to understand is that prejudice, prejudging people according to anything is a sin. But let me just tell you something. God's default, his default is always mercy. In fact, he loved us so much that when he could have judged us for our sin, the scripture tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, Jesus always defaults to this place of mercy. And all we have to do 
is come to him and we will receive it 